it's interesting. I'm, I was telling the guys, I was telling Amy on the way here too. I don't know, I don't know if I was going to, I'm not sure what's going to come out right now. Because I studied, and I don't know if what the Lord has been stirring in me the last couple of days is just for me, or if it's for us. Um, so I know there's a couple schools of thought with that. I'm not one to keep it to myself very much. Um, but, I, you know, if this resonates with somebody, then great. But I've just been lately, and especially very recently, I've been really just hungering and thirsting. Um, and not in a, in a, well, there's no normal way of hungering, thirsting, I don't think, but different than I've, I've experienced in a long time. Um, and I'm, I'm feeling this stirring. So even as I was preparing for the section of scripture that I was preparing, um, I don't know if the hungering and thirst is supposed to be for to go along that text with that text or just get into hungering and thirsting. Um, but I really feel like we need to have a time of just being before the Lord. I mean, the hunger and thirsting, I think, comes from a form of brokenness that um, for me personally, I-, I can't even tell you like there was an instant and then that's what broke me and here's my story. All of a sudden I just started hungering and I started thirsting. I started feeling changes. I started feeling different drives I haven't had in a while. I don't know if it was the, the corona lull that's come over and we're kind of breaking out of it or, or what is actually happening. But I know it's, it's God stirring. And I don't want, as I was preparing, well, let's go into it anyway. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but I was preparing this. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. Um, I think even with with what we're going to read, without having a hunger, without having a thirst, without desiring more of God, this is only words on a page anyway. Um, I don't think... It's very easy in this world to kind of be worn down or tired or just get into a routine. But um, as I'm sure you guys would agree, I mean, daily, if we don't have that hunger and thirst, a lot of this is going to be difficult, let alone religious, um, in what we do. So let's just, we'll read the scripture and then we'll see what happens. So... um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're going to read verse 12 through 22. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil, uh, to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast uh, what is good, 
abstain from every form of evil. You know, right before this, this is where Paul is talking about the rapture of the church. He's talking about the, the return of the Lord. Um, at, you know, that kind of apocalyptic thing. And I thought, well, we're kind of coming out of a, a mini apocalypse with this whole quarantine and all that. And, you know, so, it, you know, I say that half joking. Um, but really looking at what our marching orders are. You know, what are we called to do? Now, Paul wrote this to the church, and this specifically is to the body. Um, but it's applicable to everyone we come in contact with, really. Um, so, looking at this, and I know I usually give about a three-hour background and introduction, but uh, let's just quickly turn to Acts chapter 17. Uh, we'll read verses 1 through 9, just to see... Um, Paul's experience in Thessalonica. Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. Um, now when they had passed through that place and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, This Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded. And a great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason." And sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has harbored them. And these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying, There is another king, Jesus. Amen. And they troubled the crowd. And the rulers of the city, when they heard these things, so when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. So that's the backdrop. Paul was in Thessalonica about a month, it seems, three Sabbaths. Um, and so his time with the, the Thessalonians seemingly was short. Um, but he wrote this letter to them to help them along in their, their new um, beginnings as a church. And it's interesting to go through, we won't go through it tonight, but just read through it again, because I know we've recently gone through this. Um, but I think it's important to just be reminded of these things. Um, first and foremost, he says in this, this section, he's saying, I urge you, brethren, in verse 12, recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Uh, in the Greek, the word for labor is kopieo, which means to grow weary, tired, exhaustion, to labor with wearisome effort, to toil. Um, in chapter 1, verse 3, Paul uses the same word, labor, but it's a little bit different because he talks about the labor of love that they have. And that's kopos, which means an intense labor united with trouble and toil, a beating of the breast with grief and sorrow. So the idea that the labor of the overseer and the labor of the church should be grounded in love, but it should be labor. 
Um, I, uh, I was listening to Paul Washer. I don't know if some of you guys know him. He's, some would say he's a bit radical. It depends on your, your walk. It depends on your, your faith, your stance. Um, I think he's probably closer to the truth than we even can stomach ourselves. But um, he was talking about how somebody came up to him and said, oh, I'm a prophet too. And he told the guy, he said, pull up your pant legs. And the guy said, what? He said, pull up your pant legs. If you're a prophet, I want to see your bloody knees. Because if you're a prophet, that means you're on your knees, constantly laboring in prayer because of your love for the people. And I thought, you know what? Maybe this is this whole thing might be just a mirror experience for me that I'm looking in the mirror because I feel like I've slacked lately. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest with you on that. Um, I feel like I've, I've fallen asleep in some ways. And, uh, and maybe this is what the Lord was doing in me. But I don't think in a lot of ways that I labor in anything truly that has to do with the things of the Lord. I don't know if that's a harsh criticism or not. Um, I know being a father of four boys is <laughs> laborsome. I've beat my breast with trouble, grief, and sorrow many times. Um, but I think it's important for us to understand, number one, in the context of the Scripture, is that we do know, and this is not to... Uh, this is not to put Pastor Greg on a pedestal, but this is to put him in the right place to say he is a pastor who labors for what he does here. Um, and I, if I'm speaking out turn, but oftentimes it's by himself in the sense of as a man in leadership. Um, we know that, you know, Kathy is with him and then so he's not technically laboring alone. He's got the Lord, so he's technically not laboring alone either. But when there's when there's a sole pastor and you there's there's not necessarily a support group around him to be able to take you know the 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 cares of the church off of his shoulder in some ways whether it's um, hospital visits counseling so on and so forth there there's there's a a lot of labor involved um, it's not just um, coming up here and standing and and, and speaking. Um, there's hours and hours involved of preparation um, that is done. Um, but the important thing here is that we are supposed to, and something too to understand, and he says he admonishes, there's, there's things that a pastor has to do that some people expect the pastor to do. You know, if somebody's being unruly in the church, um, you know, a lot of times people expect the pastor to deal with it. Um, or if there's, there's something that is, has to be hard said. It, I think it's, it's helpful that we're at a Calvary Chapel. I remember Chuck Smith saying one time, you know, we, we go verse by verse through the word, and that cuts down on the counseling, you know, by half because we're teaching the word. And so when we're hitting the, 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 the difficult passages, you know, that might be piercing your, your heart, no, your mom didn't call me, your spouse didn't call me and say, you really need to give it to them because they're, this is how they're acting. No, this is where we are in the word of God and the Holy Spirit's the one speaking to you um, in that way. So I think in that way, it makes it a little bit easier, even though there are some scriptures that are, are difficult to teach. But, you know, it's the pastor's job to not only admonish from the pulpit, but also to admonish from, um, from off the stage, I guess it were. I mean, you know, I... I truly expect, and I've even said it to pastor, that, you know, if you see something in my life that's wrong, then confront me. 
Um, but I shouldn't have to say it to him. I mean, as a pastor, that's what, that's his role. Um, and that's what we need to understand that, you know, we are to esteem that role highly because number one, it's God-given, God-ordained, but there is labor involved. You know, um, thankfully, we talked about earlier, thankfully the lighting was fixed. Otherwise, his, Pastor Greg's eyes were looking really rough. Um, so we got that handled through the video uh, corrections. But, um, you know, it is, it is, it's laborious. Um, but we're supposed to, as verse 13 says, esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. So to understand this, and again, this is, this all comes back to, and I don't know if you guys have been in churches where you, you kind of, um, the pastor is looked at as a lesser um, different church structures are set up. I know um, certain church structures, there's really an elder board that runs the church and the pastor is more so the one that is, um, uh, I hate saying a hireling, even though they are. I've seen it in a negative way. I know there's positive ways and ways that's worked where there have been godly elder boards and, and a godly pastor have worked well together and they've allowed that pastor to teach and preach and, and, and um you know, be led by the Holy Spirit. But I've also seen the opposite where it was a power trip of the elder board and, and the pastor really um, was uh, handcuffed as to what would be said. Um, so it wasn't really challenging. It was more fluff that was preached than anything else. Um, but to understand that the, the work that's done and, and for us to be able to have that understanding of love for not only that Pastor Greg is God's anointed, for this position, for this time, for this church, um, but to, to understand what, what's involved, you know? Um, and that's why we should be praying for him um, as he ministers to us, as he counsels, as he, um, as he admonishes, as he encourages, as he, as he makes sure things are, are going the way they should be going for the body. Um, you know, the, as the scripture says, that the shepherd should know the, the temperature of the sheep. Um, and I think Pastor Greg does a, a great job of that. And again, um, this is not to esteem him any higher than what we are told to do. Um, and I think we all would say that we, we love him and we are grateful for him. Um, so I think it's important too, to, to that's why the prayer, our prayers are important for our pastor because um, not only the attack that he's going to come under, but his family. Um, and, you know, the, the enemy would love to do nothing more than take down a godly man, let alone a godly family, um, a godly marriage. Um, and this is why it's so important. You know, we look at Moses, and I'm not comparing Pastor Greg to Moses at all, at least not right now. Um, but, you know, Moses had to do a lot on his own. I mean, he had the Lord. Uh, Aaron was a help at times, except for when he came down with the, <laughs> with the tablets and like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> that's a paraphrase. But, um, so, but you think about it, you know, we, Moses needed when um, the Israelites were fighting the Amalekites, and you guys know the story, when Moses had his hands raised, you know, they were winning. But he became weary. He was laboring. He was laboring to keep his hands up throughout the whole battle. And they were, they were victorious. But as he was growing weary, they started to lose. So what happened? Aaron and Hur had to come up alongside him, hold up his arms. His arms went back up. You know, and, and 
they won the battle. You know, it's interesting. A lot of times we think, oh, well, that's Moses. That's his role. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that comes alongside. It's like there, there's help needed. And so with this, this, as we read on, this is the charge to each one of us. And I think it would be sad and poor for any of us to say, oh, no, someone else has got that. It's very easy, and I'll, I'll say this from experience, it's very easy for um, a worship team to say, well, I'm just here to do worship. It's very easy for a greeter to say, I'm just here to, to greet. Or I'm just here to do the food. Or I'm just, I have my role and this is all that I do. Um, I think it's, it's very short-sighted and it's quenching the spirit when we do that. Um, to have a heart to say, wherever I need, I'm needed, you know, whatever I can do. Um, you know, not to assume that somebody else will take up that mantle, but each of us together as a, as a body, as a family, should be working together in that regard. You know, you see someone hurting, you know, and sometimes we're not, we don't feel equipped to, to minister to people. Well, why not? If, you're, if the Lord's tugging on your spirit, say, look at that person there, you can tell they're down, then maybe you're the one that's supposed to go and talk to them or pray with them. You don't have to have eloquent words, but to show the care, the love of God ministers just as much often as just being able to spit out scripture verses, which is important. I shouldn't have said that in a negative way, but, um, you know, it's, it's not, it's being willing to be led by the Spirit, I think this is the important part. So as he goes on, um, In verse 13, he says, esteem very highly in love for their work's sake. Um, and it's interesting that the church in Thessalonica had to be admonished to esteem the, and love their pastors. Um, you know, again, you see a lot of, in a lot of Paul's epistles, you see a lot of things repeated, maybe said in a little bit different way, but a lot of things repeated. Um, but it's so important for us to, to understand this, that this is something, you know, if we have... Again, this is talking about the the overseer. Um, but if there's also too, and I think Pastor Greg would agree with this, if there's something that maybe we have against pastor or somebody in leadership, um, that we should also confront that person or talk to that person. Um, I think so so often we're scared to to do that or or afraid of how that's going to look or whatever, but. Um, you know, I think it's very important, and there's there's a proper way to do it too. Um, you know, uh, but I think it's 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 very important for us to, you know, the enemy wants to have things, have stumbling blocks amongst us all, um, and between us to cause there to be bitterness, to cause there to be division, to cause um, just this this. Um, sickness among us. I think there's so many of us that are walking around with unforgiveness and, and things that are keeping us sick instead of exposing it. The, the enemies, you know, we're listening to the things of the enemy that is, is keep having us keep these things to ourselves or keep it um, hidden instead of exposing these, the, these dark things to light. And some of them might be tri- little things and some of them might be big things, but whatever it is, I mean, these are the things that we want to be able to deal with um, so that uh, the enemy has no room, has no foothold. Um, so verse 13, he ends with, be at peace among yourselves. Um, 
And really, this should be the fruit of the esteem and love for our leaders, right? As well as for one another. You know, if, if, the, if things are in their proper um, place, then we would have peace among ourselves. So, verse 14, now he, he kind of begins more of marching orders um, to the body um, as, as I see it. He says, now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. So the idea with warn those who are unruly is the idea is a soldier is out of line or out of rank. They're walking irregularly, they're self-willed, a uh, person who demands to hold their own opinion or preference. Um, these people often will create discord um, or are just walking in their own sin that leads to the destruction of, of some sort. Um, and we know, I'm, I'm sure we've all been in situations where we've had somebody who was in that way, unruly. And it's not always, it's not always a blatant, outright, they're sitting in the front screaming and yelling type person. Um, it could be somebody who's just, again, it's, it's when you see um, military displays and they're all in order, especially those, those ones when you see them like the, um, I forget what they're called, but the, they have the guns and they're doing all the, the different, what is it? The color guard where they're doing all the different cool things, you know, and if somebody st- is missteps one little, I mean, the whole thing's off, and you can see it, and it stands out. You know, it's that idea of, obviously, you know, Jesus said, take the plank out of our own eye before we try to take the speck out of our brother's eye, but there is also something to be said, and that's why it's important for us to be examining our planks, right, to make sure that we don't have that plank. But that's the importance of making sure that, too, if we see a brother or sister who, there is a speck. They are walking a little bit there. It doesn't have to be, oh, you're unruly. Like, you know, I picture a, a nun smacking somebody with a ruler kind of idea. Um, but the idea of saying, hey, you know what? That thinking is a little bit off. Um, and I encourage you. I have a brother who I've just reconnected with who him and I are talking uh, almost every other day. And this is what we do. I mean, we're, we're challenging each other's thinking and we're, we're encouraging each other we're praying with each other and we're doing it because we love each other it's out of love you know this is has to be the the bond of what we do and the the root of what we do has to be out of love um paul expressed this uh in first thessalonians 3 12 through 13 he said may the lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and the Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ um, with all his saints. So love for one another and love that desires to see a brother or sister walk in the light is, is, is paramount. Um, and you're warning not for the sake of keeping religious law. I mean, that would be Pharisees, right? The Pharisees were the ones that were, um, you know, were... We're holding to the the letter of the law, I mean, even to the point of creating hundreds of more laws that were not even, you know, biblical. Um, but and that's why Jesus said, "Our righteousness has to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees." Um, and He's not talking religious, but our 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 walk has to be above that. And the only way that can be is if there is that that root of understanding of of how we do this um, through love of God. He also says in that same verse, comfort the faint-hearted. Um, this is also translated feeble-minded, downcast, those who stumble um, are timid and lack courage. Um, 
comfort that is needed in the sense of assisting and strengthening them. You know, you can encourage somebody in their faith and their walk. Um, you pray for them. You can counsel, admonish them. Um, in the same light, too, it's when he says, uphold the weak. Um, and Paul says in Romans 15, when he says to bear with them. Um, but this is, these things are not to be their strength. This is not to fix them. We are not to be the ones who are to um, allow them to use us as their crutch. Um, but this is to help strengthen them in their walk. Um, we don't want people to be reliant on us. We get to the point where if we're too much, it, you know, it kind of goes in the opposite direction. We can, we can be so hands-off we're doing nothing, or we can do hands-on we're being Savior. Um, or mothers. So there's a definite pendulum swing, and that can be dangerous. And I, I say that, first of all, I said that not looking at any mothers when I said it, but, um, but we understand that mentality of, of sometimes we know, well, I, I just know what needs to be done. You know, every step we take obviously has to be led by the Holy Spirit. It has to be prayerful because there could be times, and it was, it was interesting with the same friend that I was talking about, um, he had texted me and he said, I'm struggling. Are you available? And I didn't tell him this, but I saw the text and I just sat. And I was like, Lord, when you want me to reach out to him, I'll reach back out to him. And I knew he was struggling. And normally my reaction is like, okay, he's struggling. I'm going to call him, pray with him. Because that's a godly thing, right? I'm going to call him and pray with him. But I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to wait. Wait on you. Um, and I think it was like about 40 minutes later, I texted him and said, hey, you know, do you need to chat? And um, he said, yeah, when you get a chance. So I called him. And uh, I said, you know what? I, I didn't feel like I was supposed to call you right away. He said, you know, it's funny because I reached out to you and two other guys. And, and, and I sat there and I heard the Lord say, why aren't you coming to me first? He said, so I knew nobody would reach back out to me. I said, that, that's good because I, I kind of felt a little bit bad that I didn't reach back out right away. But I knew it was of the Lord. Um, but the idea is that I can easily fall into Savior mode as well. And, you know, I can also fall into mother mode as well, you know. Um, with, especially with my sons, you know, it's sometimes you, as you parents know, sometimes you need to let them fail for themselves to learn. And that is one of the hardest things. Sometimes you need to let them bear the consequences of their behavior and their actions. And that's sometimes one of the hardest things because you want to protect them. You want to save them. Um, you want to keep them from the consequence, but but I, what I've learned and personally is that you shield the person from their consequences, they're not going to learn, and they're going to keep doing it, and they're going to keep expecting you to to step in and and save them, and that really then in a lot of ways makes you God, and then you become their God, and you become the substitute for the Holy Spirit because I'm not going to go to God. Yeah, I'll pray, but I'm going to go to Mom. I'm going to go to Dad. I'm going to go to so-and-so who always rescues me, who always says the right thing. You know, so we have to be very careful and very, you know, that's why we need to be spirit-filled when we're walking this out because we could easily get in the way of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. I think ultimately the Lord will, will have his way, but, you know, I think it's important for us to, to understand that. So when we're reading through these things, warn the unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, you know, we need to make sure that these things are done in love and in the Lord's timing. Um, 
And at the end, he says, and be patient with all. <laughs> so he ends with a really easy, easy one there. Um, but you know what? You need to be patient to minister to those people. And I've been one of those people, so I'm not saying it like a derogatory thing. I've been in each of those categories. Um, and you have to be patient. You know, you have, but, but this is the thing. And, and just going through some of these scriptures that you know, I mean, in 1 Corinthians 13, the Lord says, I mean, Paul says, love is patient. You know, the understanding here is that, and, and what I'm basically hammering home is, is about the love aspect of it. If you look at Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, let's turn there real quick. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then if we look at Colossians 3, 12 through 14, Similarly, he says to the church there, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Um, So why does it, why does Paul continue to encourage the churches and even to us today to love each other? Well, in our own strength, we know it's, it's hard to love each other. Bless you. Um, and without the filling of the Holy Spirit, it's impossible. It's impossible. Um, you know, we know the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians five twenty two. the first fruit of the Spirit is love. Long-suffering or patience is like number four. Um, and as I always say too, you know, we have the fruit of the Spirit within us. You know, this is not something, I don't, I don't believe, and I could be corrected easily, um, but if we, if we have the Holy Spirit within us, then we have the fruit of the Spirit within us. So I don't need to pray for love. I need to pray for more love. I don't need to pray for patience. I need to pray for more patience. These things are already within. I already have the fruit there. Might might be a little bit stale and uh, need some watering, but um, we already have these things. So, therefore, the, you know, the idea is that, you know, this is not something we have to beg and plead God for. We already have it. It's, a, it's that stirring up of these, of these gifts, of this fruit within us. You know, Jesus said in John thirteen thirty five. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So, you know, Christianity is shown by its ability to love and to help people. But the important part of this is to understand it's to help and love all people. And that's even the difficult ones. Um, So, it's interesting because then in verse 15, Paul goes into 
basically the theme of man's tendencies, right? So he says, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. And it's interesting that we have to be instructed to do that. That we have to be instructed not to, you know, render evil for evil. Um, and it's, it's easy to dis- dismiss this because we say, well, I'm not murdering anyone. You know, I'm not, you know, fill in the blank of the biggies, right? Um, but if we turn to Matthew 5, and uh, we'll read verses 38 through 48, you guys know this section of Scripture, um, part of the Sermon on the Mount. There's actually someone in here who had to memorize the whole Sermon on the Mount, so maybe I'll have them come up and do it by memory. Or I won't. But verse Matthew 5, 38 says this, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile with him, go too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow um, from you, do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do not uh, do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Let's jump over to Romans 12 real quick. Um, And we'll read verses 9 through 21. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Uh, do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy hungers, feed him. If he thirsts, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In all of this, we see, and I don't know, I I know I read a lot, but my, my encouragement to you is, obviously we need to, as we're, we're walking these things out, we need to 
be very conscious and mindful of, of how, how we're going before the Lord and getting our filling for these things. All this stuff is impossible, as we already said. You, if, if you are in a dry place, if you're in a, uh, a robotic place, if you're in a place where you're just kind of going through the motions, these things are not going to, if you're able to do it, they're not going to be, they're not going to last long. You're going to become weary. You're going to become tired. You're going to be, it's going to become labor and not in the, not in the way that God desires us to labor. Um, and so I think it's really important as we do these self-examinations because, you know, we always talk about the revival has to start with us. You know, we desire revival in the church. We desire, desire revival in this county, country, state, um, wherever we are. But it's not going to happen if there's not revival within ourselves and, and speaking to ourselves. I'm responsible for myself. When I stand before God, I'm responsible to, to give an account as to why I did or didn't do, why I, you know, why I didn't go before him. Um, you know, as I was reading, as the Lord was just stirring up these things um, earlier, reading about Jesus, talking about, you know, he is the, the well of living water. You know, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I mean, that's a, that's a, um, a, a, a promise, you know, when we go to him for these things, that when he says he shall be filled, that is a direct statement saying this will happen. Um, you know, looking at in Jeremiah, as Jeremiah was crying out and all these things were, you know, just seeing, I think it was in Jeremiah 17 where, you know, just weeping and, and the, the, the sadness of it all. And, but he says, you know, plant me by the waters, Lord, you know, that I'll have fruit in due season. You know, we have to take that time, especially now. Maybe you've had a time during the quarantine that you've been really just soaking in God and just really having this alone time, sincere alone time um, with God. Or maybe you're one who's been just feeling just depressed. And, um, you know, I know a lot more of the social people have been hating it and a lot of more of the introverts have been loving it. So depending on your personality, if we could get the introverts on this side, no. Um, <laughs> But, you know, depending on how we, we receive things and how our, we are, I mean, you know, for me, it's, I feel like I'm coming out of hibernation in a lot of ways, um, just because it's been different. And I've had to look at it and say, wow, I'm really, I'm, Lord, I really have a hunger and thirst. And looking at this, I can't do these things without, because of that, that lack in my own life. You know, I think it was Spurgeon who said that, you know, someone asked him why he praise for the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, he says, because I leak, you know, and, and in that, I, I, I leak the love of God, too. I need that to be poured into me continually, but as we go through this list, and I would encourage you to, to go through this on your own and see, Lord, where am I, and pray about, Lord, where am I lacking? You know, are there areas where I could be doing better? Are there areas where I could, you know, be used more? Um, is there something in my life that needs to be removed? Is there, you know, it's always this, the self-reflection that I think is so important, and that's probably what I talk about most when I'm up here. But I think interestingly enough, and, and this is going to end with this, but, you know, 16 through 22, um, I think verses 12 through 15 would be easier if we were already doing 16 through 22. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. If, you, if someone says, I don't know what God's will is for me, well, there's the verse right there. Well, that's not what I mean. Okay, but that's fine. But if you don't know what you're talking about yet, then this is the will of God for you right now. It's just to give thanks. 
I don't know what God has for me. I don't know what his plans are. Okay, well, but his will for you right now is to give thanks for what you do have. So, and, but also too, do not quench the spirit. I don't want to ever quench the spirit. Lord, if I'm quenching the spirit, uh, please reveal that to me. Please show that to me. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Lord, what does that mean, every form of evil? Could I be, you know, indulging in something that is, is a form of evil? What am, I, what am I bringing into my eye gate? What am I bringing into my ear gate? You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that we could, you know, that's the difference of people seeing Paul Washer as being, if you know who he is, uh, being extreme or being right on, in my opinion. And again, if you don't have the balance of love, then it's going to be religious versus um, truth and speaking the truth in love. So in that, that would be, that, that's my prayer. And that's what I would encourage you guys with. I asked Chelsea to do a song or two because I just want, I just want us to have this time. And I really, and I'm sorry, you know, if you're playing on Game of Hound here at eight and you're on a timetable, I'm saying right now, I don't really care about timetables in the sense of, and I'm not saying that to be disrespectful or to be, you know, anything other than, I just want to have the time right now where us as a, a family can just be worshiping and praying and seeking God and saying, Lord, where am I deficient? What can I do? Lord, fill me afresh and new. Give me more, Lord. I hunger and thirst. Or maybe you're not hungry and thirsting and you're realizing that and saying, Lord, I need to hunger and thirst. Lord, give me the desire to do that. Whatever it is that I'm sure something has spoken to you throughout this time to say, Lord, I want to seek you on this thing and I desire this from you. And I'm, I'm just going to pray this, this over you and then Chelsea will lead us in some worship. Um, and it actually comes out of verses 23 through 24. He says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. And Lord, we just desire for you to just do that work within us, Lord. I pray that we never get to the spot where we say, we're okay, we're good, we're, we're, we're holy enough. Um, Lord, but that we would constantly be becoming before you and asking for more. Lord, asking for more of your spirit, more of your, your filling, Lord, for us to, to see things the way that they are. Lord, for us to be able to see not only ourselves, Lord, and not to be too focused on ourselves, but Lord, to be introspective so that we can, Lord, be useful for you, Lord, for your kingdom. And then, Lord, that we would have the heart to go outward, Lord, that we wouldn't even be just limited in our minds to just this church building. Lord, we have a, a, a blessed family here. We have a blessed church. And Lord, sometimes I, I fear that people will be content with when we have the food and fellowship and that's all they want out of church, Lord. But I pray, Lord, that we would have a desire for more. But Lord, we don't want to have a desire for more for us to be edified or for our own gain, Lord, but we desire more for what you want, Lord. So we are crying out. We are praying, Lord, please show us. Please lead us, Lord, in all of the things that we do. Lord, we pray for our pastor, Lord, that you would continue to protect him, that you would continue to give him wisdom and guidance, Lord, with the decisions of this body, Lord, whether it comes to the church building, whether it comes to ministering, Lord, counseling, Lord, feeding us the word, Lord. I pray that you would continue to use him in the way that you use him, that you would fill him afresh and anew, Lord. Lord, that you would surround him with men who will hold up his arms in battle. 
And Lord, we pray for all those others who are in leadership positions, Lord, with the women, with, with the children, Lord, with worship, Lord that, Lord, that you would protect them, that you would minister to them as well. Lord, it's very easy, and, and especially in some Calvary chapels, it's very easy to the cookie-cutter Calvary chapel way. You do this many songs. This is when you do worship. This is when you do prayer. This is when you do teaching. Lord, that's all good. You, you like order. And we're not asking for chaos, Lord, but we're asking to have a leading of your spirit. That what we do, Lord, will be led by you. That we won't limit it by time. We won't limit it even by space. Especially in this time, Lord, where we're supposed to have this social distancing. Lord, you are not limited by time and space. Lord, help us have a heart for what your heart desires for us as your children, as your sons and daughters. Lord, make it clear to us. Lord, I pray that you would put it on my heart to have bloody knees. Lord, I desire that. Lord, help us to take the things of you seriously. Help us to purge out and remove the things that are not of you. Lord, start speaking to hearts now of those things that are just, maybe they're not a plank. Maybe it's not murder, Lord, but it's something that is displeasing to you. Lord, whatever it is, Lord, if we have issue with a, a brother or sister, that we go to them and we deal with it before we go to the altar and give our sacrifice as you told us to do. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you would just move amongst us freely tonight, Lord, and that we would just listen, Lord, with our hands lifted up, Lord, to receive from you, Lord. As always, I pray, Lord, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear you, Father. And we come praying these things knowing that you are listening, knowing that you are going to answer them. And most importantly, because you tell us to come boldly before your throne. So we come in Jesus' name. The Lamb of God who was and is and is to come. We praise you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.